another episode of Am I Doing This Right? I'm Corinne Fox. And I'm Natalie McMillan. And we are best friends, confidants, millennials, and the hosts of Am I Doing This Right? A life how-to podcast from the perspective of non-experts. And each week we cover a new topic and drink a new bottle of Of wine. wine. Yes. And today we are talking about defining womanhood and finding your voice. Yes. And we have author and poet Asia May Rock, which she just came out with a book. Well, not just came out. In August came out called Dear Girl, which talks about the journey of girlhood into womanhood through poetry and she's amazing i've actually we've seen asia together yes we saw her perform we were at this like girl boss conference thing several years ago and had you heard of her at that point yeah i've i've run into her multiple times i we're both ambassadors for girl up and then we're both ambassadors for nami the national alliance on mental illness yeah but i've never met her yes (laughs) because it was she went up and she started performing and corinne and i were just staring at her like no way like unbelievable so incredible yeah like it's i hope she performs something for us because we'll we'll try to we're gonna try to get her to perform something for you guys so you guys can hear her because she's amazing so we'll be talking about defining womanhood and finding your voice but of course natalie before we get into it we gotta drink a little bit of wine drink a little bit of wine so you know we usually have our asmr pour but we already poured these so sorry about it we'll do a cheers a cheers but you know what we're drinking? We're drinking the... Aveline. Aveline. If you guys remember from a few months ago, December. Yes. In December, we had an episode with Cameron Diaz and Catherine Power. Power. And this is their red blend that we didn't get to drink on the podcast because we drank their, their white. white. So we're drinking the Aveline Red today. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited about it. Me too. Me too. Speaking of drinks... Ooh. The other day you made a drink. I did. That uh so you were doing like Harry Potter night. You made some sort of it was boozy butter or it was a butter beer. I made butter beer. But like boozy. Oh yeah, it was it was boozy. So please explain. Okay, so um as everyone knows, there is this running series in which I'm re-watching <laughs> franchises. I finally made it to the All-Star Games and I'm now watching Harry Potter it's with Joe. Also Corinne is a Hufflepuff. I'm a Huffle. And she's very proud. I'm so proud of being a Hufflepuff. Yeah, because she owns it. She knows it. I know. I love that you're a Hufflepuff. Oh, yeah, I know. You know, we're loyal. You know, we're we're not brave. We're the badger. So I think we, we, we're skittish. You know what? I'm a Slytherin. I always have been. And then I also took the quiz, as we all did. On Pottermore. On Pottermore. And it confirmed I was a Slytherin. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we get a bad rap. No, you know, I was actually thinking about that when I was watching it. Because obviously, um, Draco Malfoy, mm-hmm. he's like the face of it. And he's obviously not the best. Mm-hmm. But there's some good Slytherins in there. And, and I feel- you know, Snape was low-key a great Slytherin. He was an amazing Slytherin. Yes. The sacrifice. The sacrifices <laughs> that man made. But we didn't even really know till the last to the last one. Yes. So, okay. Anyways. So back to the butterbeer. I did make butterbeer, which was really fun. Me and Joe, we made, it's it's apple cider, mm. it's bourbon, Ooh. it's ginger beer, and it's a little whipped cream. Okay. Oh, and it's butterscotch. Homemade butterscotch. Oh, see, that's where you took it to the next, you took it to the next level well, you with that. Well, the recipe called for butterscotch sauce, which doesn't exist. Yes, I, it does. I could not find it anywhere. It's in the ice cream aisle. It's on the end cap because you put you put it on top of ice cream. Okay, well, girl, I had a home make that <laughs> shit, which is actually really easy. Which it was, is even better. It was butter and, and brown sugar. Oh, okay. Bubbled up. 
Yum. It was really the good. The smell. Did it smell amazing? It was so good. It was super like sweet. Anyways, highly wrecked. 10 out of 10 wreck for butterbeer. Butterbeer. Where'd you find the recipe? So uh, Buzzfeed. Buzzfeed. 10 well, you Harry know, Potter cocktails. You know she's going to put it in the show notes. Oh, yeah. There, there you go. <laughs> right in those show notes. I work really hard on those guys, so she you know. She loves the show notes. Feel free to swipe up for that. Yeah, but Nat, you um, have a new relationship, right? Oh, I do. I do have a brand new relationship. I don't know if he knows that we're in this Right. relationship but it's very committed mm. it's very committed because what happened is my heater broke mm. um about two weeks ago it stopped working so i text my landlord i'm like hey like the heater is a little situation so he's like i'm on it can i come over tomorrow and i'm like wow prompt wow. <laughs> attentive so he comes over the next day he you know he's on his hands and knees he's mm. going to work on this Ooh, heater he's gonna work for you yes and i'm like wow he cares about me mm-hmm. he cares and they give you a gift then he gave me a gift okay because he couldn't fix it mm. well he thought he fixed it he didn't fix it so then he he called me later that day is it working i said i'm sorry it's not working he said i'm gonna come back tomorrow and I'm going to bring you a heater. Mm. This man got me a heater because he wants me to feel comfortable. Mm. Okay. Sounds like a relationship to me. This is what I'm saying. <laughs> and he comes over like all the time now. Mm. And he's always calling me. He's always <laughs> texting me to check in. Now, here's where I was, uh, you know, a little hurt because he said when he brought the heater, he said, this is my girlfriend's heater. Oh, right. And so then to me, I'm like, that must mean that I'm your girlfriend. Mm. Because you're bringing me your girlfriend's heater. Mm. And now it's in my house, which means that is me. (laughs) And then let me tell you, I was absolutely crushed when he asked for it back. Oh, man. What a way to end things. Short-lived romance. I know. But you know what? Never (laughs) say it in quit it situation. (laughs) Yes. He really had me in the first half. And then he just... (laughs) Away. Oh my gosh. Crushing. Okay. Um, I'm so sorry, Natalie, for your loss. <laughs> yes. And can I say one more thing about my landlord? Oh, yes. That's hilarious. Yeah. Corinne actually texted me one time and she goes, I just saw identical men, twins. I mean, have at you ever store. seen adult male twins and she was in like, real life that aren't the property brothers? <laughs> it's she, weird. She it's was freaky. like, I'm really thrown by it. And I said, I guarantee you those were my landlords. And it was. They are identical twins. It was absolutely them. It was them. Yes. They're always around my neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into the topic. Let's get into the topic. Yes. Let's talk about why we have Asia on the podcast today. Yes. Well, it's February. It you is know, February. It's a month about love mm-hmm. and all this and our relationships with my water heater bay. Right. Um, <laughs> but actually, the most important relationship is the one that you have with yourself. Yeah. And in her new book, Dear Girl, Asia talks about the kind of often difficult journey of self-acceptance and how she found her voice and kind of overcame a lot of personal struggles to be this very eloquent young woman that she is. Yeah. And I'm really excited to dive in with her yeah talk about her let's journey bring her. let's bring her on let's bring her on hi it is so good to finally meet you it's so nice to meet you too i'm corinne this is natalie, I'm natalie. hi i'm asia but i've been like circling you for so many years because you work with girl up and i work with girl up too yeah and then you work with nami and i work with nami too so i've seen you at different things and i'm like and then you reached out about your book and i was like girl i already know who you are <laughs> well, i've seen you a hundred times and also <laughs> we saw you together at, at girl, girl boss, boss. 
perform. Oh my God, that's wild. I know. And I remember when you performed, we're like, this girl's amazing. Yeah. We've like almost met three times. Yes, exactly. Wow. And what's really crazy is that um, yesterday I got a package in the mail from Katrina at NAMI. Do you yeah. know her? Yeah. And it was this. Oh my God, that's it was, so funny. How weird is that? For people listening, it's her book. And she just <laughs> sent it to me in the mail. She was like, another NAMI ambassador who I think you'd love. Like, here's her book. And I was like, okay, I'm literally interviewing her tomorrow, <laughs> tomorrow. on the podcast. That is so wild. That's also so kind of her to send that. Um, but I'm so glad that we're meeting even virtually yes. now, officially. Yes. You're in I New actually, York, right? I usually am in New York, but my parents live in California. So I actually am in California right now. Oh, oh, cool. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. And you're in California, right? Yeah, we're in LA. Nice. We're over here. Nice. But awesome. So anyways, I'm just super excited to, to have you on and, and thank you for Me making too. time. And I'm super excited about your book, Dear Girl, but I know that it's actually not your first book. Yes. Your first book, which was also sent to me from <laughs> Katrina, um, oh <laughs> she really sends out your books. Um, the Survival wow. Guide to Bullying, which yeah. you wrote when you were actually pretty young. You were like 19, right? Yeah, yeah. And so can you talk about the catalyst for you writing that book at such a young age? Definitely. So I was bullied from the time I was eight until I was 16. I used to have oh. a lisp and a stutter and the bullying began with the way I spoke. And then it escalated to all sorts of other things. And for like the eight years that I was really going through it, I didn't really tell anyone about what I was going through. I think that as many people who experience bullying and, and other things, I felt like it was my fault or mm, yeah. I felt like I was doing something that was making it continue and get worse. And so I was struggling with my mental health because I kept it all inside and I was really suffering in silence. And so I used writing as a way to kind of find some meaning, some purpose and try to navigate my way through this time in my life. And then when I was 16, I saw all of these news stories about all of these young people around the world that had taken their life because of bullying. Mm -hmm. And I was so angry and I didn't know what to do about it because I knew that pain, but I also knew that it was possible to get through it and that there was a light at the end of the tunnel. And so I began writing and I had no idea it would turn into a book. Um, I wrote it kind of like as a diary and also as part of my healing process. Mm. And then luckily several years later, I self-published it and then Scholastic acquired it. Wow. wow. I love how you turned something that was so dark in your life into a way of actually providing light for others who were going through that. I was also bullied in high school. And I remember thinking very similar to you where I, I had this moment where I was like, okay, Corinne, it's going to get better. Like mm. at one point I'm going to graduate. At one point I'm going to yeah. go to college and I'm not going to see these people again. And I remember having that awareness and then being like, okay, now that I have that awareness, I want to share that with other people. And so mm. I think it's so great what you did and, and your book is so wonderful and I actually have it. And it's really cool because my sisters are both in middle school. So oh, wow. what a tough time. I, I know. Isn't it? It's Aww. just like, I know. It's crazy yeah. even as adults. <laughs> like I think of the things that people said to me when I was 13 and they still, yeah. they still can like haunt you. You know what I mean? They really stick Absolutely. you. Yeah, they really do. I mean, I'm 25 now and I'll look back at 
like middle school and I can remember the exact things that were said to me, the full names of the people who said them. And so I think oftentimes people don't realize like how powerful words really can be Mm -hmm. and how much of an impact it can have on someone's life. Yeah. And I think the other thing that I think with time you start to realize is that maybe it's cliche to say it, but like hurt people hurt people. Yes. yes. And you've touched on in some of your pieces that, you know, kind of this, the key to a kinder society is being kinder to yourself and to Mm -hmm. realize that people that are bullying probably have some internal sadness and hurt that they're going through. Was that something that took you a while to kind of like realize like in your path to forgiving these people or how did yeah. that sort of come come to Absolutely. You? I mean, I, I love that quote that you just shared that hurt people hurt people because I think it's so true. Mm-hmm. And I remember the first time I heard that, I think Oprah said it and <laughs> it made it even more powerful. Yeah, <laughs> you're you're like, like, oh my God. Oprah yeah. could say yeah. anything. She could truly. be like, cheese crackers. And you'd be like, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, but I for so long, I did not realize that the people that were bullying were hurting themselves Mm. and that they probably were bullied in their life, whether it was at home or at school or whatever. But I remember when I was going through my healing process and writing the book, I started to realize that bullying was a cycle. And if you weren't yourself bullied, you were probably bullying someone or you were watching it happen. And there is wounds and pain in all of that. And so it took me so many years. And to be honest, still like if something kind of triggers me of sorts, it, it takes me a minute to realize that that everyone is hurting when they perpetuate that kind of hatred and cruelty. Yeah. yeah. And, and could you, I mean, not to put you on the spot or anything, but could you yeah. share um, anything from your book if someone's listening to this and they're going through bullying, like a, a yeah. tip that you put in there or something that you really like a highlight from it that maybe someone could take yeah, away? Definitely. So the biggest thing I always say is you cannot go through it alone. I know what it's like to go through it alone. And I'm sure everyone who has experienced it at some point was like, no, I can handle this on my own. But especially with social media, cyberbullying is this 24 seven thing and mm-hmm. it can feel like the world is against you. And it can um, take an enormous toll on your mental health. Like when I was in ninth grade, a girl that I had never met who went to my old school because I had changed schools. Um, mm-hmm. She dressed up as me for Halloween <gasps> and wore a sign oh around her neck God. with my name on it. Oh my God. And went around the school and it was posted online. And I was getting like hundreds of messages, death threats, all those stuff from people I had never met. And I oh didn't have any God. sort of following at the time. So for yeah. me, any type of exposure like this was like so shocking and hard to handle. Yeah. Um, And at that point, I started opening up to my mom. And so I would just say, make a top five list of the adults in your life that you trust, whether it's a parent, a relative, a guidance counselor, a neighbor, someone that you trust and go to them and ask for help. And if they don't help you, just keep having these open conversations because sometimes people don't help on the first try, but there is help out there and there are people that want to show up for you. Yeah. And I mean, even for even for people our age, I mean, we're 27 and it's even still people on Instagram, they can put in the comments, anything. And it's like, even as adults, I think you need to reach out. If something Mm -hmm. says, somebody says something hurtful, it's like, call a friend and say, God, this really like hurt me. I just want to talk about it Mm -hmm. instead of just keeping it so bottled up. Exactly. I think the worst thing is keeping it bottled up and also like take a break from social media if you need to, like it's not going anywhere. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it's really, really not. And it's 
crazy because when we were in middle school, high school, I mean, it was just starting. I remember like really being IMs from people um, back in the day. But now like I have two sisters, they're 12 and 13. And like, I can't, they're so connected to their phones. And it's like, I keep telling them like, you have to break away. They're not experiencing anything like bullying, but you just, they have no division between the technology and themselves, which is scary. Totally, totally. Especially like I see on TikTok the kind of bullying that can happen. It's wild. Like it's almost like bullying makes you cool. Yeah. Oh gosh. And we're more divided than ever. Yeah. Exactly. There's there's all these things. things. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a tough time right now. But were you a writer before all of this happened, or did that really be? Was that the thing that pushed you into your writing? So I really struggled in school. Like it was really, I was also two years younger than everyone in my grade. So I don't think my brain was like <laughs> on the same page as everyone. Um, so wait, I'm a few years behind here. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I had some learning disabilities. And so for me, I loved writing, but I never thought I would be a writer because in English class, like I got really bad grades and it was, I was just like, this is not possible for me. Yeah. Um, especially with poetry. I felt like the barrier to entry to be a poet was so high that like it was unattainable. Um, But I always did keep diaries and journals where I would write about what I was going through. And then over the years, I just kind of fell more and more in love with it. Yeah. And it's such a great like way to express your emotions. And like you were saying, like instead of keeping everything bottled inside, you were able to get it onto paper and start all of the poetry that you've kind of blessed us all with at this point. Yes, (laughs) truly, truly. Yeah, I feel like, you know, for anyone going through anything, whether it's bullying or something else, finding something that gives you life that you're really passionate about can be an amazing outlet. Yeah. Actually, I was, I was listening to some of your, your spoken word performances on your website and you had a, you had a line that said, when I looked in the mirror, I used to wince and now I wink. Yeah. And I think I, I'm only just now starting to kind of get to that point where I'm like, okay, like I can love myself. But um, when did you realize that positive self-talk and really leaning into loving yourself and being there for yourself was so important to your overall well-being mm. and mental health? I First, I'm going to say I still struggle with this. Like yes. I don't wink every day. <laughs> yes, I'm like, yes, yes. Oh, I can't look. Um, but I think I realized that I'm in this body for my whole life. and I I want to be the best person I can be. I want to have the best mindset for my life that I can possibly have. And it's really hard. And some days it's not possible to get there, but that's my goal. And so I work on it every single day. I go to therapy. I have mm. conversations with the people in my life that I trust the most. And I do whatever I can every single day. And I've obviously had some really hard times with mental health. And so I know that mindset and I don't want to go back to it. Yeah. So it's not like a magical, I have arrived. Like I, I do <laughs> right. it's like my it's whole life journey. It's really a practice. Yeah, absolutely. But I am trying as hard as I can to make that a practice every day, as I'm sure all of us are. Yes, yes. we're all trying. Yeah. And I do think, like you said, therapy helps and, and having these therapy. open conversations. I'm interested in the way, like, because you just seem so awakened. And I know you said you spoke to your mom a lot, but I'm just wondering like where it came from. Was your family like really had open conversations and talking about your emotions was normal or like, where did that come from or that realization? Yeah. Yeah. Well, as I said, like I didn't 
talked to my family about what I was going through for so many years. And more than that, I hid it. Like, and I was really good at hiding it too. So it wasn't normal for me to talk about it, even though I could have gone to my parents, like they're, they're amazing people and they were there, but for whatever reason, I, mm-hmm. I didn't do it. And I think a lot of young people kind of get stuck in that same space. Um, yeah. So I think for me, there was this three-year period when I first started writing my first book, The Survival Guide to Bullying, where I put down on paper like my darkest thoughts and my hardest times. And I think there's something about, for me, in terms of like being a writer, putting it on paper before speaking it, mm. that gave me more courage, that allowed me to first be vulnerable with just myself on right. paper before having to be vulnerable with people I love because that was so scary and still is. Yeah. 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 And I, I so I want to switch into talking about actually your new book, Dear Girl, which came out recently. Uh, end of August. Yeah. End of August. Yeah. And so you talk a lot about the transition from girlhood to womanhood and mm-hmm. kind of being stuck in between these, these two phases, which I, st- yeah. I mean, I'm going to be 27. I still feel like I'm just, you know, teetering yeah, in yeah. Both. it's so weird. It's so weird. Yeah. When do you actually, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like like people say, uh, people call me a woman and I'm like, am I? Yes, I feel the same way. So weird. <laughs> I, I said that today at a photo shoot today, and I was like, you know, I'm just like a girl doing. And I was like, wait, I'm a woman. I I'm think. Like a but woman. Um, but I, I love the topic of your new book. But I wanted to know what was an unexpected lesson that you've learned during this transitionary phase. It's mm, a good question. I think an unexpected lesson that I learned during this phase would be that. I'm a lot stronger than I thought I was. Mm-hmm. Whenever I have to make a big decision that might hurt or do something that I'm not comfortable with, I'm like, oh, I can't do that. It's just like, it's going to be too much or I can't. And then when I do it, I'm like, oh, wait, no, I was fully capable of that. <laughs> yes. Yes. And so I think that pushing the boundaries and being outside of my comfort zone in this phase of being between a girl and a woman, I have found that happen multiple times and it's been like amazingly reassuring. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I would say that probably. And then similarly, like, has there been something that you've found has been a really hard lesson to learn or something that you've found out in this becoming a woman phase <laughs> that you're like, I don't like this. I don't want to accept this. Like I'm not into this. <laughs> Yeah, I would say something that I have struggled with and continue to is really having full trust and faith in myself mm-hmm. and knowing that I can trust my gut and that I have my own back and that yeah, that I, that I can trust myself and and I think that kind of goes hand in hand with yeah. the thing that I've learned as well, but um I think it's scary to make big decisions to leap outside of your comfort zone and still feel like a kid in many ways. Like Mm -hmm. I know I'm an adult, but I, as you said, like I still feel like a girl. And so when I have to do things that are adult things that, you know, could have consequences or just be scary, having to really come back to myself and be like, no, Asia, you can trust yourself. Mm -hmm. Like you, you, you do have your own back has been a challenge, but I think also like a really important lesson. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's like literally the whole basis of our podcast, which is, am I doing this right? Because we felt like this time in life, yeah, you're like supposed to be uh, an adult and you're supposed to be making these big decisions, but we also don't have that. You're still cultivating that confidence in yourself. And so we literally based our podcast off not knowing what we're doing and like wanting (laughs) to speak to people who can enlighten us on, on just how to grow up and how to 
grow into yourself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I love what you both are doing because I think everyone needs this, you know, even like beyond your twenties, like everyone, mm-hmm, yeah. every stage in life has no idea what they're doing. <laughs> That's what I'm realizing. I'm like, okay, so actually nobody knows what they're doing. We're all just out here trying to figure it out. A hundred percent. Yeah. So I just think, you know, you had mentioned that you, you know, there's all these moments where you're kind of like afraid or you're, you're kind of out there. And part of your job is being, you, you know, you're, you're performing these pieces that are so personal, deeply personal to you. And I think as women, I'm using the word women. We are women. We are women. <laughs> we often make ourselves smaller because we want people to feel more comfortable. And given the nature of your work, have you felt the need to kind of like tone things back to make people Mm. comfortable? Mm. Or have you given yourself the permission to just like be, or maybe you started at one place and have come to another or... Actually, it's very much what you just said. Like, I think I started in that place where I toned everything down. I watered everything down. And I would always wind up in this spot where I would put something out there, even my first book. And I would look back and be like, I could have gone further with that. I could have been more of myself with that, but I was afraid. And the first time that I didn't do that, I would say, at least that I can remember, was when I wrote The Truth About Being a Girl, which you probably saw at Girl Boss. Well, depending on the year, but yeah, yeah. we did. did. And, And that piece for me, whenever I perform it and especially the first time that like I filmed it with BuzzFeed and it came out, I felt this confidence that I had never really felt before. Mm-hmm. And from that point forward, I try with every single thing I do to put my whole self in there. But to be very honest, like all the time it happens where I tone stuff down because I'm still nervous, you know, uh, yeah. as you said. And uh, again, like I think it's it's a lifelong journey for sure. When was the first time you did spoken word? Like when, when you performed it? Okay. So the thing <laughs> with the spoken word is when I look back at my journals, even from when I was like five or six, I think I was writing poetry, but I just didn't know it was poetry. Ah. And um, yeah. And then I used to have two speech impediments. So like I was very afraid to perform in front of people and like I would always get cast as like the smallest role in the plays because I like (laughs) definitely was hard to understand at certain points and then I think when I was 16 or 17 I had been working on um, like overcoming my list for a few years and I performed a spoken word piece in front of like a few people in my town and I fell so in love with it then it was still like maybe three years before I started doing it uh, on my book tour and like really stepping into that space more. Wow. That's awesome. And, you know, and I think in either, I think in your, in Dear Girl that you talk about the pursuit of perfection, is it in Dear Girl? Yeah. Yeah. I'm a perfectionist and I am actually something I work on in therapy is Mm. this notion of being perfect. And I'm curious if it's um, like a, if you think it's women that we all suffer from this, like Mm. idea that we have to fit into a certain box and we have to do everything the right way. And now we're given all these opportunities and, you know, doors are opening for women all across the world. And now we have to do it exactly right. And we can't mess up. Um, I was wondering if you think it's, it's something that all women are are kind of always struggling with. Yeah. I don't know. I certainly know that like a lot of my girlfriends struggle with it. So I don't know if it's all women, but I feel like I know a lot of women that struggle with it. And I think it's exactly what you said that, you know, we want to be able to show up in the best way possible and achieve all these things and be seen the same as men. And so oftentimes we 
try to make it perfect so that we yeah. can reach that point. And I definitely struggle with it. I'm also a Virgo. So I think that's part of the- Oh energy. yeah. That's Virgo <laughs> energy for real. Yes. <laughs> yes. And actually what goes, I think it goes hand in hand, this, per, this idea of perfectionism and the notion of like surrender and letting go. And yeah. you actually have a poem called A Letter on yeah. Letting Go. Yes, um, I've done your research. So we're here. Fast. We're here. <laughs> so do you have any like tips for our listeners for some ways in which maybe you can let things, that's, we struggle with that a lot. I yeah. am so, I'm really trying to this year get better at just like letting things go and letting rendering letting things happen as they come or and flow and the whole night yeah yeah so I definitely struggle with it and like like most people I struggle with anxiety and being like very afraid to not afraid but having a hard time letting go of things especially you know things that like I feel like I, I don't know, that I'm anxious about. I, I can't yes. put it to words, but you know what yes. I mean. Yeah. No, um, I think anybody that has anxiety, we both have anxiety. It's yep. a very, it's like you're trapped in your own brain. Yes. And yes. then it's almost harder, I think, to get out of that. Exactly. It's so and it's such a pattern and it's like yes. hard to break the pattern for sure. Yes. Okay. So one thing other than therapy, which I know we've, we, yeah, we all we love, love it. so yeah. important <laughs> and has been a huge part of my journey. This is kind of a a strange one, but I think it makes perfect sense. Ooh, I'm excited. Um, I love talking to old people. Um, oh, cool. Or maybe old people is the wrong world, but older people mm-hmm. and like even like 90 plus people because they have such wisdom. They have lived such long lives and they have yeah. made mistakes and grown and loved and lost, whether it's my parents or unfortunately I don't have grandparents, but like the eldest people in my family, or just I volunteer a lot. So I meet a lot of older people, like 90 plus talking to them and hearing their stories teaches me so much. And then when it comes to a point in my life where I have to learn to let go of something, I kind of pick from, from the wisdom they've shared with me. And it's Mm -hmm. a lot easier, at least for me personally, when I see all of these lives that are incredible and have gone through similar or harder things than Mm -hmm. I certainly have. Yeah. I love that because I've been, I've been wanting to, um, sit down with my grandparents and put them on tape and just ask them about their lives. And I, every year I say, I'm going to do it this year, but this is really motivating me to actually, cause like, I don't even know where my grandma was born to be honest. Oh, really? No. You know what would be so fun? I don't know if we could pull this off, but having <laughs> my grandma's 96. We oh need my God. That's podcast. amazing. And she's like, she's like so quick. Like she can be like, well, my address in 1941 was like, she'll that is incredible. so quick. So she would be wow. really cool to talk to and, okay. and kind of hear, hear her perspective. Okay. Natalie's yeah. grandma is coming on the podcast. Oh, Good what a cool Alice. episode. I can't wait to hear it. <laughs> Well, uh, before we before we let you go, I actually thought it would be really nice if maybe you could share one of your spoken. Sure. Words. I don't want to put you on the spot or anything. No, I'd be happy to. And I don't um, know if you want to go from Dear Girl or yes. yeah, I actually have Dear Girl right here. Oh yes. Um, yes, we have it too. <laughs> I could do like a short one, or I could do the the truth about being girl, the one that you heard when you first. Whatever you're comfortable with, whatever, whatever you're feeling, and you want to share. Yeah. <laughs> okay, the truth about girls a little long. It's like three minutes, but. It's up to you both. We have time for we that. Have time. Yeah. You okay. might even do two okay. if you want. <laughs> Whatever you, you want. <laughs> okay. I will be quiet. Yeah. People always say that the girls of this generation are so vain. 
Why can't they put their brains towards books instead of good looks? I used to blame girls too. Be more than a perfect body with a pretty hairdo. And then I stepped out into the world. I opened my eyes to the truth about being a girl. I heard guys say things like, dude, she was 10 times tighter than that girl you hit and quit, Ray. Or I want to pipe your sister someday. Or her ass looks like a racetrack with those stretch marks, but at least it's big like Kim K's. I never grew up thinking of those things. Don't blame me, but when I thought about boys, I thought about dinner dates and soulmates, not fuckboys that look at you like shark bait. It breaks my heart for every girl growing up in this world instead of how was your day messages? We get you up, want to come fuck? I am not an object. I have a voice and something to say. Do not assume that I belong in your bedroom. I belong in a conference room. And for anyone who thinks that this generation is so vain, it's because us girls are held under a microscope day to day. It's like beautiful doesn't even exist unless you can cross everything off the checklist. Big butt, big boobs, skinny waist includes small nose, plump lips, bony hips, hairless, careless, but still has an awareness. In all fairness, I want to be seen as beautiful too. I mean, I don't want to be demeaned. I mean, I am not the same girl I was at 15. I mean, I am stuck in between being a girl and a woman growing up in this world that has taught me to look sexy, get a degree, maybe a little rhinoplasty, but never, never disagree with misogyny. A world that has not taught me that being a woman means living in fear that your basic healthcare will disappear or that your paycheck might somehow be smaller than a man that does the same job, or that your boss might tell you to stop giving him blowjob eyes. If you want to raise, you got to compromise. Show me what lies above those thighs. Boy, please. The moment you misidentified everything, you forgot that a hundred years ago, I could not vote. Look at what happens when you try to demote the very bodies that give birth to you, please. We are used to it all and we are appalled, but you see, we don't know what it's like to be free. Equality is not just about calling someone out. Equality is accountability. That my brother knows that I am equal to him, so equality is education. From classrooms to courtrooms to conference rooms and computer screens, it is using tech for good, for me too, for movements. Equality is truth, is strong voices is breaking through the silence that exists because silence can't exist if it's not tolerated. It's all of you. Changing the future, clearing the path for every woman and every man. It is raising the next generation to know that not only does their voice matter, but it will be heard. And that's why we got the power in our hands because we will not sit back and nod and smile while certain people reconcile the rules to being fertile. Sorry, but it's my body, baby. I may be a young lady, but my dad always taught me to speak out and fight against injustice of any kind. So here I am speaking out for all my ladies in the house. We will not stop the fight until we hold our rights for women of every color, size, shape, sexual identity and place in this world. And that is the truth about being a girl.
That's it. I have chills. Okay, I literally am sitting eyes. here going, Corinne, do you I'm cannot like, cry, cry right now. I, wanna, I don't want <laughs> to throw her cry. off. That is, I can't even so like, powerful. I literally can't even. Don't, you can't cry because then I'll cry. That was, I mean, I've heard it before too. And it's, <laughs> it's so beautiful. And, and I, I really am going to, my sisters will never listen to my podcast with yeah. this episode. <laughs> and of course, I'm going to I know. As she was talking, I was like, how many people am I about to send this to? <laughs> oh, thank you. I I just like it literally don't have words and I feel like you encapsulate the experience of being a woman so well a, a girl so well and all of these pressures we have and and the things we face on a day-to-day basis that we're so used to we're so yeah, used to yeah. the eyes and the comments and yeah. and especially and in the, the pressure yeah yeah in the pressure yeah. you you yeah. do such a, a beautiful job at doing that and and you truly have a gift and we're yeah. and I'm so happy that you're sharing it with everyone so my special. phone went off in the middle but it was like all these um it was like bling, 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 bling. <laughs> I feel like it was just more it ammo was like for sparkles. you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank yeah. you. Thank, that means like so, so much to me. Thank you. But anyways, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, for sharing your story with us and your amazing spoken word. That is in her book, Dear Girl. That will be linked in our show notes if you guys want to yes. get a copy and you should. And thank you. Buy it for your little sisters. Yeah. <laughs> for, any, for anyone. For anyone. Any woman Thank in your you. life. Yeah. So it was so great to meet you finally. Yes. After all I know. So good to meet you both. Of yes. seeing you do your thing and we're, we're your biggest fans. Truly. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah. Of course. Okay. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Bye. Right. Bye. Natalie, I am <laughs> legitimately crying. I'm not no, even really. Kidding. No, it really was like it was so powerful and I was, you know, I when I first came in today to record this, I told Corinne I was like I'm so tired today and now I feel so energized and like inspired. I and- had like goosebumps and chills <sighs> and like tears and she's just I feel like again like we were talking about it's February it's all about self-love and that's like everything she's about and Mm -hmm. also just like laying out all the lessons she's learned in just 25 years of life you know yes it's really incredible yeah so we hope you guys feel inspired by this conversation like Mm -hmm. we have Mm -hmm. ready to embrace your true self and not afraid to speak up and have your voice heard so you can go to the show notes to pick up Asia's book Dear Girl and we'll also have a link to her website so that you can see her other performances. Oh, yeah, and her YouTube channel is really yes. cool too. So we'll have all that so you guys can can see all those resources. And as always, if you have any questions, feel free to DM us at Am I Doing This Right Pod on Instagram or email us, am I doing this right pod at gmail.com. And you guys can also visit our website, am I doing this right pod dot quam. Dot quam. So don't forget to rate and review. Please also share with a friend this one. Pl- oh this my God. This is such a great one to share with Share a friend. it with your sister. Share it with your friends. Share it with your mom. Share oh, with yeah. all the women in your life. I honestly, that performance. Insane. Ugh, Incredible. I can't get over it. And what's also pretty incredible is this Aveline Red Blend that we've been drinking. Let's circle back and rate this Aveline Red Blend. Do you want to talk about the hottie of the week? Yes, because I did kind of fight for her a little, little, little bit. A little. Mm, 
I don't think so. Okay, it wasn't a fight. It wasn't I, gave, a fight. I gave in easily. Yeah, you did. You know, Corinne and I can never agree on the yeah, hottie. Yeah, the hottie of the week is always tough for us. <laughs> um, so the hottie of the week this week is actually Emma Watson. Emma Watson. Who we felt was very fitting for this episode because she's an ambassador for the UN women. Mm. She spoke at the UN about women's rights yes. and all that stuff. So a champion she's, for women. She's a champion for women. And she's was in also, Harry Potter, like we talked about at the she top She was of the show. in Harry Potter. Penny. She was not a huffle, but that's okay. But hey, that great. She really is a. She really gives off Gryffindor vibes. I R L. Yeah, she is very yeah. Gryffindor. She is very Gryffindor. But and she also loves like books and reading and all that stuff. She like um. She used to go around and put books in random places in London. Did you ever see that? Oh no, I didn't know. She that. She would sign them like and then put them like on random like subway stops and like. Oh how like cool! That. So yeah, she loves books and all that jazz. So anyways, we're we're rating the Aveline Red Fund against Wanda Emma Watson. Wanda Emma Watson, who's refined. She's very refined. Hmm. I'm not going to lie. I actually really like it. It goes down really smooth. It's very smooth. And I think I remember the Aveline White mm-hmm. was also very drinkable. Yes. These are both very, very drinkable, palatable. This one is also like tanniny. Mm. You know, okay. where it's love sort of the like, words. Sort love of, the words. Sort of dry. You know, do you get that as well? You know, I don't know all the words or how to how to describe what I'm drinking at all. I just think back to our Wine 101 episode, episode 10. Uh, <laughs> hey. Hey. <laughs> um, gosh, what's my rating going to be? One to Emma Watson. Can you go first? I'm going to give it an 8.5. I think I'm going to agree. An 8.5. I kind of want to give it a 9, to be honest. But okay. I don't want people to think that I'm just saying that. No, no, no. You give it a 9, I'll give it 8.5. It's an 8.7. 8.7. 8.75. Out of Emma Watson, yes. the Aveline Red Blend that we actually got from our episode with Cameron Diaz. Yes. You guys can go back and listen that to it. That was episode great one. 17. Episode 17. Yes. I think so. Yep. Yes, you're right. Okay, so this is the time of the episode where we play a little wrap-up game. And because Asia is all about spoken word and using her words the right way, we're oh. doing riddle me this riddle me this and so basically um how this goes and i swear to god this game makes me crack up it's so <laughs> stupid um we're gonna be doing riddles i'm gonna read a riddle to natalie she's yes, gonna, I'm gonna read a riddle to, to me it. and we're gonna try to guess it um last time i did i think i got it i got what your riddle was for me so you know that'd be too hard I have a thousand needles, but I don't sew. What am I? Porcupine? <gasps> yes! Are you serious I thought now? that was going to be hard. The only other thing that has a bunch of needles is a porcupine. Well, I was thinking <laughs> of literal needles. Fuck. Oh, well, I... Okay. I'm going right. to... Okay. No, no, no. This is actually not... This isn't that bad. Yeah. What runs around the whole yard without moving? A fence. Dang, we really, we really, we went, we went soft. We went real soft <laughs> on these. Are you kidding me? Okay, no. Here's another one. Okay, I make two people out of one. What am I? An egg, like an egg that splits identical twins. Back to the top <laughs> of the episode with my identical twins. No, I make two people out, out of, of one. one. What am I? Two people out of one. Two people out of one. I bet somebody's listening to this like screaming the answer. I don't know. Amir. Oh. Amir. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay, then I'm going to give you I'm going to give you one more. David's father has 3 sons. Snap, Crackle, and who? 
David. Damn it. Oh, come on, Natalie. You know riddle, what? Me, riddle me this. My, this might be the last episode of Riddle Me This. You might have to end Riddle Me This. If you guys have any good um, wrap-up games for us to play, please DM us because we're running real low. And okay, we we're honestly, on- we will go on we'll, – like if you look at our Google search history, it's like fun games <laughs> to play. One of them was like fun games to play in the car. <laughs> we're really struggling over here um so yeah that was riddle me this riddle me this um but thank you for listening to this week's episode of am i doing this right we'll be back next week with another episode and we love you so much and we love you so much bye bye